And there was this low, swampy-like area where the water would run off to. And, you know, how many of you know what's going to happen, right? If you're, you know, in an all-terrain kind of vehicle, I don't know, maybe it's a, a male thing, you're attracted to those areas. Maybe that you shouldn't be. And uh, we're there, and some of it had drained off, and it was just kind of puddles here and there. And, you know, I wanted to see how well the four-wheeler, I'm not really a four-wheeler enthusiast. I mean, I don't ride much, but uh, I thought, you know, well, if we're out here, you know, let's see what will happen. And so we're riding, and he's holding on, you know, in the back. And we're just bam, 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 bam. And, but, and there's this thing, though. We're riding around, and we get deeper and deeper in the mud and deeper, and everything's fine, and we're spinning out of it. Mud's flying everywhere. And, but there's this one puddle. You know what I'm saying? It's deeper than all the other puddles. And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, we've done all the other puddles, and we were fine. So, you know, what could go wrong? So my thought was, if you get up enough speed, you'll, you'll just, you know, you'll just bounce out of that thing. I know it's deeper. I know it's a little longer. So we backed up to the corner of that little low area and, you know, started, eh, started hitting the gears, you know. And we got in that thing, and I'm telling you, it almost threw both of us over the handlebars when we stopped in a, boom, just stuck. I'm talking about stuck. And so um, I did everything I could do, and the water's about halfway up. The, you know, it's up on our feet. And so you don't really want to get off because you don't know what's creeping around in there. But you're just stuck. And so I thought, what am I going to do? And, and we're way out there in the woods. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a cell phone. There's no way out. There's nobody to come get us. We'd have to walk out who knows how far, go get some. And I thought, I can't, I'm not going to do all that. So we, we fish our way off the thing and kind of get outside most of the water. Then we go, maybe we can push it. Maybe we can pull it. Maybe if you, you get on, you weigh less than I do, and you give it the gas, and I'll, you know, I'll be. Of course, you find out pretty quick if you stand behind a four-wheeler in the mud. Can you know what happens? Yes, 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 that's right. Looks like you've been you know, uh, uh, going uh, paintballing, except it's mud. And so you're pushing it. And so finally I went, you know what? It's in Jesus' name, it's got to come out. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no other way. This four-wheeler's got to come out. And so I grabbed the, the, the whatever the little you know, hunting rack is on the front, and I just start pulling. And I said, if I have to pull my arms off, like I'm going to pull this thing comes out because I'm not walking home and all, we're not going through all that. It'd take hours. I don't have hours. And so finally... Just through grit and determination and throwing logs under the tires and everything else we could think of. Finally, we were able to pull the thing up. But I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm lucky I didn't like pull my back or shoulder, shoulders out of socket or something. Because that's all. I went home and laid down. I went, I'm like, I'm done. I don't think everyone ride a four-wheeler again. I'm done with that. You know, I had skin torn off my hands and everything else. But, but it does remind me of what we do when we get stuck. We throw everything we've got at it. But what do you do when you've already done everything you know to do? What do you do when trying harder is not enough? In this series, we talked about being stuck in emptiness. Last week, we talked about being stuck in busyness. Today, we're going to talk about being stuck in circumstances. Now, we have a phrase in the English language that we use that um, kind of captures this, 
Under the circumstances. You ever use that? How many of you ever use that? Under the circumstances. Here, here's what it means. Circumstances matter because they give us context. In other words, something that you and I would never do in ordinary circumstances may be the best possible choice under certain circumstances. Maybe you saw the movie or know, the, know about the story of 127 Hours. It was a movie about Aaron Ralston, the true story about a man who cut his own arm off to save his life because it was pinned under a boulder for 127 hours. Ordinarily, we would call someone who cut their own arm off crazy. But under the circumstances, see, under the circumstances... It was the best course of action. So so circumstances matter, and it was actually heroic. The more difficult the circumstances, the more likely we are to get stuck in them. So what do you do when you're stuck in circumstances, and you've done everything you know to change them, and they're not changing? Look at 1 Kings 17, verse 8. Today we're going to read about a woman who was facing brutal circumstances. Verse 8 We'll read to verse 12. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. This is God speaking to Elijah. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. His food supply had dried up. He had nothing to eat, so God sent him there. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, listen to this, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour, so you want me to go cook, in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I just got a little bit of flour, a little oil, that's all I got. And by the way, I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Oftentimes when we read stories like this in the scripture, we read them and and we sort of move on and don't give any thought to how how someone might have got in this circumstance. So, So let's just turn our imagination this morning on and think how she may have arrived at this point. You know, maybe her life started as a dream. She had found her one true love. Their marriage began with a fairy tale wedding, and soon their joy was compounded by the birth of their son. Things couldn't have been going better until tragedy struck. Unexplainably, her husband died. And she was left as a grieving widow to raise her son. Days turned into years. And as the burdens grew heavier, she tried everything. There weren't many places for widows to work then. All the jobs were taken. She had no experience. She had no marketable skill. And on top of that, she had the responsibility of her son. She'd lost nearly all her resources and had lost all her hope. And she had just enough food to make a final meal for her and her son, and then they would die together. She had nothing left and no hope that anything would ever change. There's hardly a more heartbreaking story in all of the Bible. Yet maybe some of you here this morning are facing difficult circumstances that feel unchangeable. You have the death of a loved one or 
A missed opportunity that you can't go back and fix now. A broken childhood, you can't go back and become a child again and have a different childhood. The self-destructive actions of another person, a loved one who's turned their back on God. A spouse who's given up. A destructive habit in your own life that no matter how hard you try, it just won't seem to die. What do you do when you're stuck in circumstances? Look at verse 13. Elijah now is going to respond to her. So look at just the first part. Elijah said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why would he tell her not to be afraid? Because when you and I face limitations, our our natural reaction is fear. And everybody faces limitations. Everybody runs out of something sometime. You may run out of money, or you may run out of answers. You may run out of health. You may run out of youthfulness. You may run out of control. For this widow, it was food. She was running out of food, and she had ran out of answers. And now she's being told, don't be afraid. On the surface, this sounds like the dumbest advice I've ever heard. Don't be afraid. Oh, I never thought of that. Had I thought of that, I would have just, you know, how do I do that? Do I hum? Do I grip my teeth? Do I blink three times? It never crossed my mind to not be afraid. Well, thanks. You ever had anyone tell you when you were in the moment of fear not to be afraid? You ever anybody tell you that? Did it help? No. No, it doesn't help. I'm, I'm so afraid of what's going to, well, don't, just don't be afraid. Oh, well, I'm cured. We could just bottle that and sell it. <laughs> don't be afraid sounds like good luck, good things, happy times, I wish you well. It's the equivalent of flipping a dime into a wishing well and hoping that the universe is going to do something magic and something good's going to happen. When you're stuck in circumstances you cannot change, you are most likely to battle fear, and fear will cripple you. And the last thing you need when you're stuck in circumstances is to be stuck in fear. This is why God launches an all-out, full-court press assault on fear. It may sound hollow to say to someone, don't be afraid, but that's not how the Bible uses it. Do you know more than any other command in Scripture that God gives us, He gives us this command to not be afraid over 300 times? Of all the direct instructions that Jesus gave, the one He gave most often was do not be afraid. More often than love God or love neighbor or any of the big ones. And, 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 and it sounds something like this when Jesus would say it. I'm going to quote several of Jesus' uh, statements. Don't be afraid. You are worth much more than sparrows. Take courage, son. Your sins are forgiven. I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Don't be afraid. Just believe and your daughter will be well. Take courage. I am here. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Don't be troubled or afraid. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. So what do you do when you're stuck in circumstances that won't seem to change? Number one, replace fear with prayer. You may not be able to change your circumstances, but you can most definitely change your fear. Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7 says it like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. In every situation. Nothing too big, nothing too small. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. There's a lot of phrases in this scripture. Present your request to God. And what happens when you do that? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, so how, how does this look? How, how would you, let's, say, let's say that you um, need a job, okay? And you're worried about that. You have a lot of fear. What's going to happen if I don't get a job? What's going to happen? You know, all of this. And so here's what this verse would teach you. Start, it says, with thanksgiving. So start by thanking God for his character and his track record. So here's how your prayer would look. Lord, today I thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. God, I thank you that provision is in your character. I thank you that your children have never been seen, seen begging bread. But God, you are a provider. And I thank you that as I look back over my life, you have always provided for me. See, with thanksgiving, set an atmosphere of thanksgiving around this need. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your character. Now what do you do? Now pray about that situation. Lord, would you open a door today? God, would you open a door of relationship? Would you open a door in a network? Would you, would you allow me to find the right website? Would you allow my resume to find the right desk? Lord, today I bring this situation to you and I ask you to open a door. I'm going to do everything I know to do, but Lord, really the door opening is yours. So Lord, I ask you today to open a door. And then what do you do? It says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. What do you do? Lord, today I receive peace. I receive peace because what's going to happen about this job is not all up to me. I have a part, but it's not all up to me. So today, Lord, I receive peace and I walk in peace. And you say, oh, that's incredible. But ten minutes later, I'm afraid again. Yes, you are. You know why? Because you're human. What do you do? Do it again. And then what do you do? You know why? You're retraining your mind to be a kingdom mind. And it's not going to happen just because you do it once. It's not magic. You're not, you're not trying to win the circumstances. You're trying to win you. You get you right, the circumstances will, will follow. But what you do is you say, okay, Lord, I, I, I receive peace again. I walk in peace again. And if fear comes back a hundred times, then a hundred and one times you do it. And I promise you victory. Over time, you will walk in peace and victory. Verse 13, so Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. It's deeper than it looks. 
Go home and do as you have said. Look at this. But first, circle that word first. But first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. It seems like on the outside the most selfish thing that you could do is to ask a widow who only has enough flour and enough oil to make a last meal for her and her son to eat and die. It seems like a selfish thing to say to her, before you do all that, yeah, 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 I know you're sad, I know you're dying, I know it's bad. But before that, since you're up anyway, (laughs) since you're already in the kitchen, would you make me something? Oh, by the way, I want mine first. Are you kidding me? But here's what you have to understand. Elijah was a prophet. He was God's representative. Watch this. The way Elijah treated the widow woman was the way God treats her. And the way the widow woman treats Elijah is the way she treats God. Now, if you get that, it'll help you understand what's going on in this passage. So when Elijah asked her to make bread for him first, it wasn't Elijah asking her to make bread for him first. It was God asking her to make bread for God first. Now watch. Why would God do that? Isn't that cruel? Because God is about to teach the widow who her real source is. It's it's not the unemployment office. It's not the little bread and, and oil you got left. It's not your husband who's gone. That's not your source. And he's about to teach her that. So what do you do when you're stuck in circumstances? Number two, you put God first. You put God first. Now, now, now that, that's what Elijah was really asking this widow to do. When all hope is lost, what's really in your heart is going to come out. Will you put God first in? If you only put God first when things are at their best, you're not putting God first, you're putting your circumstances first. I, I can remember years and years ago when uh, my wife and I served at a different church. We were struggling, we were... Um, we were, we were underpaid quite a bit, and we were struggling to, to just cover everything. And uh, this, is, this was a really uh, hard thing for me. It may seem silly, but you'll get it as a parent. Those of you who are parents. I, I, my son played t-ball that year, and um, we, we could barely afford. We, we were good stewards of what we had. We just didn't have enough. And we could barely afford the glove and the equipment and so we couldn't afford to buy him shoes uh, cleats you know or anything that he could play in so uh, I, I took the team picture home and I looked at it and when I looked at the picture he was the only kid in there with like you know old worn out tennis shoes on everybody else had like baseball shoes on and man as a father I just felt like a failure like I just felt like a failure I thought I can't even you know provide and, and our bank account was overdrawn on credit at the bank over $1,000. And can I tell you how hard it was to tithe? It was hard. It was hard to put God first. Because I, I said, at some point, just sheer logic needs to take over. And you need to say, well, when God starts the bailing out, we'll go back to tithing. 
And I can remember how hard a decision that was in our life at that time. But as we talked about it and prayed about it, we said, you know, we didn't get into this to be, you know, fake. We didn't get into this thing called ministry or church or Christianity or anything else. Either God's who he says he is or he's not. And if he's not, let's find out and let's do something else. But if he is, then, then, then we got to do, do what we think we should do. And so we continued to tithe. It was hard. But in the middle of those circumstances that wouldn't change as we continued to put God first, it wasn't like the sky opened and money fell out and everything changed you know, the next week. It took months and months. But over time, circumstances begin to change and align to kingdom reality. Because we stayed aligned to kingdom reality. And, and what happens is, when you put God first, when things are bad, you'll definitely put God first when things are good. See, here's the thing. If you got one seed left, don't eat it, plant it. Because you're expecting a harvest. If you eat it, it's gone. And you'll be hungry tomorrow. If you plant it, it'll come up. So maybe for you, maybe it's not money. Maybe it's devotions. Maybe putting God first for you in this season means, you know, establishing the first part of your day and giving that to God in prayer and Bible study. Maybe it's gathering to church to worship and saying, you know what? You know what, honey? You know what? Husband, you know what, children, every Sunday morning, we are going to put God first, we're going to start our week right, and we are going to be together in worship. And maybe that's how you put God first. Maybe, maybe it's praying before you just make decisions and go off and do whatever seems best to you. Maybe putting God first in this season will mean we're going to actually take a minute and pray about things before we do them. Maybe for you it's putting God first by replacing fear with prayer. Maybe that's how you'll put God first. But however you do it, when you put God first, that's how you begin to get unstuck. Verse 15. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. Now, I, I wish there was more to this. I wish I, wish, I, wish I could interview this woman. I, I wish I could get up under that story a little bit better and say, now why did you do that? What were you thinking? And Did you guys talk longer about this? How did you get there? Had you ever met Elijah before? How did you know this was the right thing to do? She did as she was asked. Can you imagine how hard it must have been for her to say, I'm gathering these sticks to build a fire to eat and die. Really? That's the ultimate kick to while you're down, right? You want me to run an errand on my way to die? Really? I, it, it, it seems unbelievable. What do you do when you're stuck in circumstances? Number three, surrender the circumstances to God. Remember, Elijah's God's representative, 
And what, how she treats Elijah is how she's treating God. So she surrendered. She said, these circumstances are no longer in my hands. They're in God's hands. And you may be thinking, whoa, whoa, time out. If you look at verse 15, it, it, he says, go away. And she did as Elijah said, so there would be food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. So you may be thinking, well, of course she went home and did it. Elijah told her. That if you go do it, you'll have plenty. You won't run out of oil and flour. What's the big deal? I would have taken that deal too. Really, would you? Would you really have taken that deal? Because you and I have an entire book of the promises of God written down. And is that how you live? Is, I mean, is that how you live now? Surrender to them? You ever look at the bank account and say, God, I know you told me to tithe, but I'm running low. I'll start back next month. What about circumstances? God, I know your word says all things work together for the good of those that love God, but I think you forgot about me. You ever say, God, I know you're the Prince of Peace, but I don't think you can give peace in these circumstances? What about, Lord, I know you've commanded me to forgive those who hurt me, but did you see what they did? I don't think forgiveness is the right strategy in this moment. See, our challenge is we read the Bible looking backwards. We know the end before we start. That's not how she walked into the story. And by the way, you and I don't know our whole story either. So we've got to take God's word at, at face value in the moment. And we've got to say, is this going to work or not? I can't give you a formula to get your circumstances unstuck. Because the truth is, some circumstances will not change. I can help you get yourself unstuck in unchanging circumstances. And here's a good place to start. Resign as ruler of the universe. Just go ahead and email your resignation in. <laughs> Surrender your circumstances to God because it's not all up to you. And it's not all up to me. Do you remember when Jesus was in prayer before the crucifixion and he said, Father... If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what I want, what you want. Do you know the last words of Jesus before he died? And I'm not including the resurrection, but before he physically died? He stretched his hands out and he said, Father, into your hands... I submit my spirit. You know, I think that's a fabulous prayer. God, into your hands, I surrender my life and the results and the outcome and whatever's going to happen. I surrender. And can I tell you, it's the scariest moment, but it's the best moment. Because it's when peace begins to enter your life. It's when joy begins to enter your life. It's a great prayer. The results are up to you. Number four, trust God. Well, we've just kind of come down to it now, haven't we? <laughs> the hardest thing I ever had to do was to trust God. The best thing I've ever done is trusted God. This is why fear is so crippling, because fear is fundamentally a lack of trust in God. 
You just go ahead and mark it down. When you have waves of panic or fear come over your life, back up and start to pray and say, God, where, where am I struggling to trust you today? Because that's producing a fear and a panic in my life. You can open your Bible to any page and put your finger in any place and you will land directly in the middle of a story of God's faithfulness. He's never failed. He's never failed. Verse 16. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. See, here's what I've learned. God will get you through the circumstances or he'll get you around them. I don't know which one. God will move supernaturally. She just had a little flour and a little oil, but God kept making it reproduce over and over and over and over and over. God will supernaturally move on your behalf and he'll either move you or he'll move the circumstances. Sometimes God will give you more oil and bread and sometimes God will give you a job. I don't know which one. But God's going to move on something. I, I, you may be familiar with the story in the New Testament where the Apostle Peter is out in a boat and there's a great storm and Jesus walks out on the water, you know, and he says, you know, come on out, you know. And, and so the Apostle Peter walks out and he gets a step or two and he's walking on water. Can't even imagine. Why, we don't have a water park like that. I, I can't even imagine what's going on right there. But he steps out, and, and then all of a sudden he gets distracted, and he sees the storm and how bad everything is, and, and he sinks. And if you read the whole story, Jesus takes him by the hand, pulls him out, kind of calms him down. Now watch this. This is, this is what's crazy. And then he calms the storm. And you go, well, where was that five minutes ago? Like, why, why, what, what's, all the, what's all the pony in the show here? Why didn't you just do that? Because I think Jesus was trying to teach him something, and I think he tries to teach us something. If you only trust God when the storm's gone, you don't trust God, you trust the circumstances. Jesus calmed the storm because he was reminding Peter of who he was. See, this was the score all along. So sh sh what should you trust, the circumstances or the one who can calm the circumstances? And by the way, that's me. And he just flattened the whole thing. Why, why didn't he trust him before? You, you may have had this um, experience. When I was uh, about 15, I, I went to the uh, beach for the first time in my life. I was raised far inland. And I got to go to Philadelphia to stay with relatives. We went to Atlantic City in New Jersey. And I'd never been out of the South, never hardly been out of a couple of states. And here I am, you know, in New Jersey learning how to body surf. I didn't know nothing about the ocean. You know, I'd swim in swimming pools. I didn't know anything about that, about how the waves move. And, and, and I'm, you know, trying to not drink salt water and move with the waves and all this stuff. And man, those waves are just beating me around. And I get out there, and, uh, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm an okay swimmer. I'm not a great swimmer, but, I, like, I'm out there, and I realize, man, I, I can't, like, I can't touch the ground. Like, I'm, and the water's moving, and I don't know which direction I'm going. And, and you know, and I start to panic a little bit, 
Like, because I'm riding those waves, and they're pushing me in, and I'm, my arms are flailing around every direction, and I'm starting to panic, go, you know, how long can I float and keep my breath and all this stuff, and I'm panicking, and you know, you start kicking everything. You're like a little, like a little dog out there, you're kicking your arms, kicking your legs, just kick, 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 and I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do, you know, and then all of a sudden, I put my feet down, you know what happened. I touched the ground. The water's up to about here. Like, oh. Wow. And then you're like, anybody see that? You know, no, I'm good. I'm good. No, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. Just trying to rescue somebody. No problem. You just kind of mosey on in. It's time for lunch. You know, that's what it's like to trust God. It's like you're just out there running crazy, panicking, afraid, overwhelmed, stuck, frustrated, nervous. And then if you dare, you put your foot down and you realize what I'm standing on will hold me. I can count on this. I can trust. And then you stand up and all of a sudden, the second you stand up, the fear's gone and you go, what, what, was, I, what was I ever... Like, like when Jesus grabbed Peter out of the water and he calms everything. He's like, no, no what, was the, what was the big deal? What was the big deal? God has a way to help us. But we have to turn to him. So this morning, would you stand with me? And I want to ask our prayer team if you'd come today. Would you just close your eyes and open your heart? This is the most important moment of the day because this is the moment that we, we together listen to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. What is He saying? What is He doing? How is He working in my life? How is He working around me? With every eye closed, for those this morning that are struggling in fear, I've, boy, I've been where you are and I know how it feels. Today, we offer no judgment on you. We offer you grace, peace, and the assurance of God that He is close and He loves you and He wants to help you. Today, if you're, if you're struggling in fear, there's something going on in your life, and if you're honest, you're just afraid, would you just lift your hand and say, I need prayer today because I'm struggling. It's okay. This is a safe place. Yeah, just lift your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throughout the room. Yeah, yeah. On the side, the back, the middle. Yeah, I know. It's part of being human, but we don't have to stay there. If you're stuck in circumstances this morning and you've already done everything you know to do and they just won't seem to change, would you lift your hand and say, I need prayer today? Man, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm stuck and I need God's help. God's a helper. That's who the Holy Spirit is. He's going to help you today. Yeah. Maybe you're here and you say, there's something I need to surrender. There's something I need to give to God. Or there's something I need to trust God for. Now, let, let, me, let me tell you how this works. I love that Elijah and God didn't ask the widow to do a big thing. Just make a little more bread. You don't have to save the world. You don't have to change the planet. You don't have to, you know, take over the country. 
can you just make a little more bread? I, I think just a small step toward God is a step of trust. Small step. You just put one toe on the ground and say, oh, it'll hold. God's not asking for you to do a miracle. He's not asking even for you to walk on water. He's just asking you to take a small step of trust. So today, if there's something you need to surrender or, or, or you need to trust God for something in your life, would you lift your hand and say, yeah, if I'm honest, if I'm just honest, that's me. Yeah, 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 I know. We're, here's what we're going to do. We're going to begin to pray now. And for those of you who lifted your hand, everybody else, your eyes are closed. For those of you who lifted your hands, would you go ahead and open your eyes and just look at one of the prayer team members. Just find, find someone on the prayer team. Go ahead and look at them. And when I begin to pray, what I want you to do is just to move toward them and just say, whatever it is that you need prayer for, would you just pray with me? Here's what you're doing. You're bringing your need to the presence of God. You're bringing your need to the help that God wants to give you. You're bringing your need. It's not about me. It's not about even this church. It's not even about the person you're praying with. It's about you're bringing that need to God. So as I begin to pray, I want you to come now. And I want you to find someone to pray with you. Lord Jesus, we pray today that the peace of God would fill this room. We pray that the love of God and the strength of Jesus Christ... We pray that the mercy of Jesus would fill this place. And we push back today against fear and worry and panic and anxiety and distrust and, and, and limited circumstances. Lord, we push back on these things. And we believe that you've called your people to walk in freedom and victory and joy and life. And so, Lord, we, we ask you in this moment to minister what only you can minister. As the worship team begins to sing, if you, if you need prayer, I want you to come now. Would you, just, would you just sing this through with us one time before we go?